to the pros. It's time for Beyond the Pond on the Fan. Here are your hosts, Pat Micheletti and Kevin Fulness. Let's talk hockey! Welcome to a Saturday morning on KFAN. Time for Beyond the Pond. My favorite part of every week. I don't know about you, Pat Micheletti, and it's just so good to know that you're here in studio with me and I can oh. make eye contact with you all day long. Um, <laughs> I catch you off guard? You caught me off guard because... I know we're trying to track down Steve Miller. Yeah, Do you he, have an on-air he, production meeting he, for he, me? And he just called me and I didn't pick up, oh. so... It looks like he's calling the hotline as we speak. So okay. we are going to talk to Steve. But I'm, you Miller. know, I'm. But secondly, I am shocked that you're here Why? on time. Why? Why would you be shocked that I'm here on time? Can I, I tell a, you something? Because I got a text from yeah. you at eight thirty saying, "I don't know. Look, I don't know." We had a meeting at or a meeting. Uh, <laughs> we had a uh, tournament in Anoka for my Wait, peewee at okay. eight ten this morning. Let me let me give you a compliment. Right? Okay. You are the uh, Kirill Kaprizov of this show. Okay. Now, can I finish? Not sure if that's so. how I should take that. So if he just said, you know what? Eh, I'll show up for the second period. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know how that would go over with the general manager or the head coach or the fans or anybody. So... I got it. I need out. you to start thinking that you're the Kirill Kaprizov of this show. Well, I made it here, so I, in MVP yeah, but, type but how, fashion, I I drove from Anoka in a game that started what at eight ten. Uh, see, we would finish have, at nine eleven. We would have ten had, o'clock. We wouldn't have had to have a pre-production <laughs> meeting on air if you would have gotten here at say. I don't know, 9.30? Listen here. I did my part just like the Gophers did their part last night. Brett, would you Gophers play some speed and extra real estate? Head out on the attack. Middle stat right in with a shot on goal. The rebound and score. Oliver Moore scoring. Luke Middlestad gets a key assist. See right there. Right there, right? Yeah. That, that, why, that, why didn't you play the TV sound? That's a good point. Uh, but we're on the wait, radio. See, I'm on the show. How often does Bally's or Fox Sports? It's not Bally's. Any it's of Fox them, 9. How, how much do any of them use a radio call, whether it be Wild or Gophers All or anything time. else? All the time. Never. All the time. Never. They're, they're in love with their TV guys. I'm in love with my radio guys. And I know you and Sam did a great job last night. And you know who else did a great job? The Golden Gophers, led by Steve Miller, associate head coach of the Golden Gophers. Steve, bail me out of this conversation. Welcome back to America. Welcome back to the state of <laughs> hockey, and welcome back to 3M Arena at Mariucci. Congratulations on a big win last night. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, our energy last night, uh, our reload, our forecheck, um, you know, we were at the net. Uh, we just we made some great plays around their net. Uh, we just need to, a couple more of those to go in, but I think everything that led up to us being on top of their goalie and having scoring chances with uh, our transition game, breaking pucks out, you know, chipping pucks to space. Uh, we didn't force pucks. That's what I like. We, we, we possessed pucks. We protected, we cut back. So we just, uh, you know, 
I always focus on all the things it takes to get to those scoring chances, and we did a lot of those things right, and let's continue to do those things right so we keep continuing to get great scoring chances like we had last night. You know, I Killer, I always give you – who made some saves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was just going to talk about their goaltender, but, you know, you and I talk before the game, and I give you my thoughts, and we have a couple laughs and, and so forth and so on. But, you know, what I wanted to see last night uh, out of your team, you know, uh, you're going against um, – uh, and with all due respect, a, a pro, a, an inferior opponent that is restarting their program, and it's great to see and all of that kind of fun stuff. But it's a team that you that you obviously um, should have beaten, and you did. But what I wanted to see was, you know, following up on on what you did Monday night against Colorado College, and and you know you you laid it out there perfectly. Guys working hard, getting the net, getting getting chances. Um, I think it was 57 shots on goal, which is, you know, um, unheard of, but, uh, but, but it was, uh, it was it, a lot of really good things um, happened last night with your team. Yeah. And again, I think, like you said, to, to build off what we did on Monday night and, you know, I always say the toughest games to play are the games when, again, you have the puck more than you usually do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm just watching the clips of the guys. I mean, we're possessing pucks and sometimes high ice with our forwards and the ozone gets, you know, can get hairy sometimes. But, again, we, we just manage the puck in a lot of, a lot of um, you know, a lot of smart areas of the ice last night. And, you know, we made puck possession plays. And, and I, again, the second period didn't start out as good as we wanted it to. We had two big kills. We kind of, you know what I mean? They Get out of your back, rhythm. But, yep. Uh, but I, again, I thought, I mean, the when you have the puck that much, it, it, you have to manage it. And I thought we we managed it and we created a, a lot of great looks. And that's what we need. You know, that's our mentality going forward. How are we going to manage the puck? How are we going to take care of it? Um, how hard are we going to compete and work? You know, we didn't spend a lot of time in our D zone. Um, we did a lot of good things. And we just got to take, we got we can't. Like a game like that can get frustrated. I didn't sense frustration on the bench of the guys at all. They just stayed with it. Great way to start the show beyond the pond here on KFAN. Pat McLeady and Kevin Falness talking with Steve Miller, associate head coach for the Golden Gophers. Of course, we're going to talk about the World Juniors and how your gold medalists combined in my count two goals and seven points last night in the victory over Robert Morris. But we got to talk about Nathan Airy. Got the start, 19 saves in the victory. Uh, how'd he look in his first career start on the collegiate level? I thought Nathan played great. You know, obviously, I was overseas when I watched the game against the national team, and you know, all of a sudden you get a chance to go play your first game. And hey, I thought the guys played hard in front of them, let them see a lot of pucks. But uh, I thought Nathan did a great job, and you know, so happy for him. You know, coming in here, you know, as the as the freshman, you know, sitting behind the the KG veteran, you know, Justin Close, and you know, and uh, and Zach Weiss, and uh, you know, how those guys have worked, helped work with him on a day to day basis and uh um it it, uh, it was good to see him get uh, rewarded with a victory last night yeah hey, hey, killer one one more point i i, I want to bring up when, when sometimes when you're playing against a lesser opponent and i don't know how you find this and i don't know how you try to get the message across to the guys but w- when you have more time and space and when things are um uh, a little bit easier or the game doesn't have the focus of a, let's say a big 10 championship game. Um, 
sometimes, you know, you think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this cute stuff or this or that instead of just, you know, making a good play, making a simple play, making a hard pass. And, and, and sometimes it's, um, it, you know, you, it, it's kind of hard to play or you lose some of that, um, you know, your focus or whatever you want to call it. How do, how do you handle that behind the bench? Well, I just think, you know, I always, you always talk about, um, you know, coaches, as crazy as it sounds, you know, coaches that don't talk about, you know, we always talk about being ready to score, Yeah. but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit up here and say, I'm, I'm showing guys how to score because that's those guys they're here because they have scored, but you're going to talk about your, as a coach, the play without the puck, the pace, managing the puck, putting the pucks that you just, you just keep hammering those themes every day in practice. And yep. you've got to have someone at the net front all the time. It doesn't matter who we're playing. And then when that message gets every day, they hear that message and now it's Friday and now we got to go do it. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We could be playing the, the 1976 Montreal Canadians <laughs> or we could be playing Robert Morris. It, nothing changes our mentality, our approach, our process, you know, to build, you know, to build a team, to build, you know, a successful shift, all that stuff. And then, and then, so that goes from us, and then it goes to you know, like Mason Nevers and and, and Jackson Nelson and Bryce Brodzinski. I think last night they might have spent 15 seconds in our D zone, and I'm right. saying that facetiously a little bit. Right. But it just felt like every shift they were in the other team's zone, offensive zone. So then you have your leaders doing that, and it just filters down to the rest. You know, the, everyone sees that, you know, and that everyone's on. You know, hey, we're dialed, we're going, we're going. You know what I mean? And then it becomes infectious and, and, and that's how you play that night. Let's uh, let's transition to the, uh, the, the gold medal, uh, that team USA that you were a part of um, um, captured in, in, in Sweden. Uh, you know, I, I always ask this question. I asked Oliver Moore last night uh, on, on TV. Um, how, you know, when you, when you have a bunch of guys, now I know this team um you know, and these players, you know, have played against each other with each other at different times, and you get together in the summer for a camp and that sort of thing. But how how difficult is it um, to have a team come together, gel, and and play the way that you want them to play in such a short tournament like this one? Well, I think you know that's probably. Um you know, it's the biggest challenge as a staff. Like, how do we get these guys um, to play together, to play for each other? Um, I, and obviously there's, um, you know, it's different than it was back in the, let's say, 70s and 60s and even the 80s at times because there's so much familiarity with these guys. They've all pl- they've all grown up playing against each other. It doesn't matter East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. They've all, right. oh, remember when we played the brick tournament back in Edmonton with each other? You know what I mean? Like, so right. There's so much familiarity with each other. And then your, your leadership from, you know, our, you know, obviously our head coach, David Carl, the rest of the staff, how it all works, the leadership, you know, from Rutger McGordy and the assistants. Um, it, it just felt like, it felt like a special group when we got together for the first time last summer in Plymouth, like there's something, you know, this team could achieve great things. And then you come to camp and, you know, knock on wood. I mean, like, we had to deal with some sickness, but it's also a tournament that guys get injured in, you know, and we were waiting for, you know, Rutger majority to get cleared from his, you know, you know, that, that injury he had against, uh, I think it was against Penn state. 
and all of a sudden he's coming off that. He hasn't played hockey in six weeks. Um, so it, it was a kind of like, I, like to quote my good friend Derek Lalonde, the coach of the Red Wings, perfect storm. He loves saying perfect storm. That's news, one of Newsy's favorite lines. It just um, – it was real from day one. It felt real from day one. Um, the camaraderie, um, what we were asking the guys to do, they could do it. Um, the pace we could play with, the competitiveness we could play with. And, you know, and top to bottom, I think probably, you know, one of our, you know, one of our deepest, you know, world junior champion gold medal teams in the history of uh, uh, that tournament for us. And uh, it was, uh, there was a sense of, there was never a sense of doubt. Um, and I, and I kind of said this to somebody when, when they made it three, two, you know, they made a nice play in the power play at Electromaki. You could just bomb it. Um, it almost gave us a chance because the second period is an emotional period. I mean, like it was getting a little contentious. Um, they make it three, two. I just, it gave us a chance to go back and get resettled and refocused. And we went on the ice and we made that next play with, uh, with, uh, Zeev Byam's, uh, goal off the face off. And it just, we never wavered. I never felt panicked. Never wavered. Even when we were down to Finland, two nothing. Okay, that's their first punch. We got to punch back. It just, we just felt like we were always on it. Like uh, we didn't have to take chances, or we didn't have to go off script, or it just felt like we were always connected as playing as a group of five. So much fun. What what a tournament it was, and we're watching it over here on the other side of the globe. You're over there in the belly of the beast, and especially that gold medal game, Steve where you guys got the victory, you did it in their home rink, you're surrounded by yellow. Everywhere you look, it's that Swedish yellow all over the place. They're shouting at you guys throughout it. What was it like to be in that atmosphere as you guys are are grinding down the duration of regulation and coming away with the gold medal? Well, I mean, again, the when I was together with Coach in, in Montreal and Toronto to, you know, to beat Canada in, in the Bell Center, the atmosphere there, it was on par with that. I mean, we walk out, we're coming out of the ice and the place is going crazy and they're chanting. It's almost like a, a, the feel of a, a English premier soccer game, you know, probably Man City versus Tottenham or something like that. I mean, not Man City versus United because United is no good anymore. But uh, I had to go Man City. <laughs> Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> we but, all do. <laughs> uh, I, I just, uh, it was unreal. It was unreal. You know, compare, you know, you get, uh, you get chills, you know what I mean? Goosebumps. And, uh, and just for us to, to, you know, to, you know, unlock the mechanisms, Kevin Costner would say in his baseball movie there for the love of the game, you know what I mean? And clear, or clear the mechanism, whatever he said there. Um, you know, when you get, once you start rolling lines, you don't hear the noise anymore. I always like my favorite games to coach in is when, did they play music between puck drops today? I never heard a song. Hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't hear, I don't remember a song and I don't remember any noise because we were just so dialed, so under control, so like connected as a group of five that the game never felt frantic, if that makes sense. Yeah, so much fun. I, I'm Congratulations to you and everyone involved. Uh, what a wonderful victory it was. Sixth gold medal in the history of Team USA at the World Juniors. Uh, congratulations. Welcome back to the State of Hockey. And good luck tonight in the rematch with Robert Morris. You know, we'll be watching and listening. Yeah, watching, <laughs> watching. I, I, exactly. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. We're about to meet with the guys here. And again, you know, show them a bunch of good stuff we we did last night and a couple other things we got to clean up and we got to get ready for the next challenges in front of us. And that's uh, the colonials tonight. I'll see you this afternoon. Thanks killer.
All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys, for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. Steve Miller, associate head coach for the Golden Gophers and one of the assistant coaches over there for Team USA at the World Juniors. And it was. It was so much fun. So much. I can't imagine what it was like to be behind that bench, let alone to be one of those players on the ice and experiencing the gold and bringing that gold medal home. They were the... They went into it as the favorite. No question yeah, about they it. Were. But they it's were. one thing to go in as the favorite and then to rip through it yeah. undefeated. It wasn't as easy as just going through it undefeated, but they held up their end of the bargain and brought gold home. Yeah, out. I think they didn't look at it as we were the favorite, you know, because you can't, then you put more pressure on yourself. But there was pressure on them to to win it. They They felt that, you know, and I think people around the world thought, hey, watch out for the U.S. this year. Um you know, they should win gold and they did it. And, uh, you know, they had a great staff, um, uh, Brett Larson and, and, and killer and David Carl and, you know, uh, Garrett Raboyne. Um, and so, and David Carl did, did a great job of leading that whole group. And so, um, good for them. A lot of fun. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to check in with Chris Peters at Flow Hockey. We can talk more about the World Juniors. We can also talk prospects. College hockey, uh, it should be fun to catch up with him. Uh, I don't think we've ever had him on Beyond the Pond, but I follow his work closely via the Twitter machine, and he's uh, really locked in when it comes to the young guys. So that should be good. But between now and then, we got open phone lines. We won't have a lot of open phone lines between now and 12 o'clock, but this will be an opportunity, a slight little window here coming up. So if you want to get involved, talk about the wild last night. Uh, breaking news, they've activated Philip Gustafson off of injured reserve, so there's a very good chance he'll get back in the lineup tonight. Uh, replace Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes as the Wild try to get off the schneid. They're taking on the Arizona Coyotes pregame at 645. Puck drops at 7 o'clock right here on FM 100.3 The Fan. And we just talked to uh, Steve Miller, the Gophers of course on the air tonight at 5 o'clock from 3M Arena at Mariucci. If you like to listen to it on the radio, Wally Shaver and Frank Mazzacco have all the action on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 but, and FM 103.5. But if you want to watch it and mute TV, you certainly can on Fox 9 Plus. <laughs> Sam Ekstrom and the great Pat Micheletti with all the play-by-play action. Open phone lines when we continue. 800-320-5326. Text us at 64686 or drop us an email. Booth at KFAN.com. Your interactions next. I'll be on the pond. This is Ryan Hartman of the Minnesota Wilds, and you're listening to the best hockey show anywhere, Beyond the Pond on the Fan. I know you were busy with your cute little TV gig last night, Patrick, but that one hurt. The Wild are up 3-1 early in the third period. I caught the third period. The next three go to the Flyers. The overtime winner, as described by Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed, right before that, Jules Eriksson called down. Curious your opinion. Should it have been a penalty? Because I'll tell you what, Jules Eriksson thought so. John Hines thought so. What do you think? It doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't. It it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. Uh, but it wouldn't it, have led to the overtime winner if, the, if could, you call the penalty. Could go either way. Um, I think there was a tug on the jersey, but the but the official didn't see it. So you know you're not you're not in that right spot. So doesn't matter. That's a tough one though. That that's it, a tough one to lose when you're up three one in the third. This team up against like they are. Man, there was so much confidence, and they they played so good in the first period. Yeah, and they were skating with a three-one lead in the third period against the Flyers team that was 
was was Listen, scrapping. Yeah, yeah, and, and but you know the, the the ultimate bottom line is that they're undermanned. Yeah, and uh, you know I did. You know, one guy, a couple guys come out, another guy goes out, and you know, seven guys out at one time. Um, it, they're they're just undermanned, and with a team that even with their top lineup in, even with their the the, the guys that they have, yeah, it's not a Stanley Cup team. It's I, not even close to I'd a agree Stanley with that, Cup. But it's team. a playoff team if everybody's maybe. healthy. It's a it's a border. Uh, I don't it's even a, think it's maybe. It's a borderline playoff team. Okay, borderline. If not, they would be up. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I mean, what do you mean? If if not, they'd be up. If 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 they if, if everyone was healthy, they'd be a playoff contender. They're not right now because seven pl- key guys play, wrote. Thank you, a playoff contender. Well, they I'm, I'm be not a, saying they that, wouldn't be a surefire playoff. I'm not saying team. they're on the level of a Colorado, I mean, Dallas, matter. or even a Winnipeg at this point. But no. when they're all healthy, they're in the top they, eight of a Western Conference. I, 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 I don't dis, I don't agree with that. I think they're on that border of being uh, uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, or twelve mm, or thirteen I, team. Would you agree to disagree? I think they're a better team well, than that. When everybody's healthy, I mean, it's hard for this. Not team. everyone's healthy all year, but but okay, put them in well, the you took put them in the, put them in the category of Arizona, Nashville, St. Louis. Um, who else am I, who else is in there? That's vying for a playoff Nashville, spot. I don't know if you said them. I, yeah. Nashville. I mean, they're all about the same. Yeah. And you know, um, it's, it's just, they're, they're not Dallas. They're not Winnipeg and Winnipeg is surprising me. I never thought Winnipeg would have the year never that they had. Coming. I had Winnipeg in the Minnesota category, uh, to start the year, but you know, it's, it's it's just the reality of it. When you look at their lineup, and I'm not going to name names because it's not fair, but guys being slotted where they're slotted, they wouldn't be on a good good contender. Those guys would be down a notch, and the other guys would be not on the team. And so that's the just the plain reality of it. So plain reality of it. I, you know, I just and, I, and and here's the second thing that. When you got seven guys out, you got guys that are on the team, right? Yeah. That were in lower, lower levels of the lineup. Yeah. Who now get elevated, right? Yeah. Right? Right. And it's their time to say, I'm going to show Bill Guerin and the management that I'm an NHL player, that I am more than that lower level. Not there. And that's the problem. I think you can get by with it for X amount of games until reality strikes you between the eyes. And I think that's what they're dealing with now. With with you're missing Spurgeon, you're missing Prodean, you're missing Kaprizov for a good chunk, you're missing Matt Zuccarello, you're missing your number one goaltender in Philip Gustafson. At some point that's gonna uh, catch up to you. And I think that's where at. Goaltend- it's fine, but you're you're still. I, that's fine. That's one example. I'm I'm saying if you're only missing that guy, that's one thing. I'm just but going. I'm just guy, going. In, guy, I'm just going guy. in reality. Reality of, of of the of the situation is what it is. They're undermanned, and right. and um, and if they're not, I think they're. And if, if they're, they're not, I think they're they're on a, they're a bubble playoff team, and. Um, it's semantics. Mm. I, 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 I hear it what really you're saying, is. but I think when and everybody's healthy. Anything can happen, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I think when everybody's healthy, they've proven that this is a team that should be considered in the top eight in the Western Conference. They're not right now. Right now, they're subpar, and that's they 
are where they are. I hope uh, I hope they get on a run when everyone is healthy. I, you well, know. But this is the problem. They're running out of time. You're exactly yeah, 41 you, games into this season. Yeah, You've been I, missing these guys, I, I, and now they've dug themselves such a hole that you look at where everybody else is. I think last night they were seven points out of the final playoff spot. And then they lost that game. They blew it. They had two points in their back pocket, and they blew it after giving up three goals uh, over the final ten and a half minutes of that hockey game. And now they've dug themselves in such a giant hole that I think a tough game the writing's on the wall. They got a tough game tonight. Yeah, I mean, and Arizona's come back to earth a little bit, but Dumba, Zucker, Bugstad, they're all coming in. You know Dumba wants it. You talk about money on the board or whatever? Keller, <laughs> Cooley. Yeah. Jelly. Cooley's cool, cool off a little Krause. bit, hasn't he? Um, well, I think he's a, a, a typical rookie, you know, that, that is goes through your ups and downs. We've seen that with, you know, a player here. Um, so, uh, but, you know, it's going to be a tough one tonight. And, you know, I, I saw, I just looked at at the number of minutes guys played last night. Now you got to you got to follow that up. Favor played 28 minutes last night. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a a point in time where he gets a little tired and, um, and you know, where would we be without Brock Faber? Oh my God. This yeah. year without you a know? doubt. And Jake Middleton has played, played a lot of minutes and a lot of hard minutes. So um, yeah, it's just a, it's an undermanned team. Try and listen, I'm not taking away any effort, any effort, but the reality is the reality. And um, guys are slotted in positions that, Guess what? On a playoff team, you'll get smoked. It just you'll you'll get smoked. A hundred percent. I so, totally agree with that. But yeah. if if everybody's healthy, I don't think that's the reality. Now, this is the reality that you're currently dealing is with. Is Pat Maroon still a top nine player in the league? Where in the last six years he's been on on he's won four Stanley Cups. And he was he was nothing more than a fourth liner. Yeah, but if everyone's healthy that he'd be on the no, fourth he line. Wouldn't. He'd still be in your top six or top nine. Anyhow, doesn't matter. They're undermanned, and you know they're they're trying hard, and you love the effort, and um, they went on a roll, and you, and and hey, maybe when they get everyone back, they they'll get back on that roll again, and and um, and start winning some games. But the task is going to be difficult. There's no doubt. If everyone's healthy, he's on the fourth line. That said. We got to take a break. You want to get involved in this conversation? You certainly can. 800-320-5326. Booth at KFAN.com. Text us at 64686. When we continue, we're going to put the brakes on this. Go back to the World Junior Talk. Talk, talk a little prospects with uh, Chris Peters. Top of the hour, we got Lou Nanny joining us. How could you have Beyond the Pond, the hockey show in this community, without having on the guy that's stepping away from the Boys State High School Hockey Tournament after this year, after 60 years behind the mic? Talk about a guy that you grew up listening to, watching, all that other good stuff. Lou Nanny will join us at the top of the hour, and we'll turn our attention to the PWHL before we wrap things up right around 1135. But lots of chances for you to get involved. Love to have you. Of course, we got Brett Blakemore's breakaways coming up, too. And you know that's always worth tuning in for. That'll be in the next uh, hour and a half half or so but anyways when we continue chris peters joins us on beyond the pond and this is going to do it on the 20th anniversary of team usa's first world junior gold medal these young americans bring home the gold for team usa a sixth goal in their history at this tournament 
EJ Raddick on NHL Network. Feels like it was a lifetime ago. It really wasn't that long ago. Everyone was over there in Sweden, including Chris Peters of Flow Hockey. He was there and got to take in all the action. How much? Well, first of all, welcome back to the States, Chris. I know you had a blast over there, but how nice is it to be home sweet home? You with me, Chris? Did I not hit the right button? Should be there. I think he's there. All right. I'll give uh, Brett a second to lock him down. And while we try to track him down, we can continue our off-air conversation if you like. <laughs> I still feel adamant on so, how I so stand. So Jesper Wallstead plays one game in a game where they left him hung to dry. Yeah. And you've had enough. No, no. I no. I can't wait till he's the he's the future of this franchise. Right now, I don't think he's ready. I think that was an wait, eye wait, opener wait, wait, in wait. Dallas. You don't think he's ready? I don't. I don't. I don't feel bad about saying it. I can't wait okay. till he's the guy between the pipes for a long, do you, long time. Do you ever time. think about the team that plays in front of him? Without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt. Did you think he played well in that game? I think he was fine. I don't I think don't, so. I don't think that. How many goals How many goals could you say, oh, boy, Jesper, 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 Jesper. About three of them. You think so? I do. In my opinion. For whatever it's worth. How about the the, the the first goal of the game, Pavelski? Yeah, I, I'm not blaming that one, but of the other seven, I'm going to pick three of them. I didn't like the Let's go the through way the tape them. later. But, but why can you say, oh, we have five guys injured, this team's wounded, and then another time, that's a goalie's fault. I'm I not just, saying I, it's his fault. I'm saying he's not ready for the National I, Hockey I think League. That's a little hard. Yeah, you just said that. I just said that he's not ready you for the said, NHL. You, you just said that. Yes. What are you saying? I said he's not ready for the NHL. How do you know that? After, well, one, after one, eyeballs. after one game, after I, one game, I did after one game, getting Against hung out to dry. He was hung out to dry, but I think it was okay. an eye opener for him. That's all. I can't wait. He's the future of this franchise. He's the backbone of this franchise, and will be hopefully for ten, fifteen, maybe twenty years. He's not ready right now, in my opinion. Why is that? Because I have an opinion, and I'm I know a grown why. Man why is he ready? What I want. Why is he ready? Because I think it was an eye opener on Wednesday night, and the team in front of him was not very good. Was terrible. But I didn't think he was, was very good either. Terrible. He wasn't very good either. Pucks were bouncing off him. I'd like to see him swallow. I expected him to hold that crease and be swallowing pucks. I'm not a goalie expert. I'm just telling you what I saw with my untrained eye. I I don't think he's ready for the NHL Keyword. yet. What untrained? Hundred percent. You know who is trained? Chris Peters of Flow Hockey, and he saw a whole lot of Jesper Volstead before he became a, a member of the Minnesota Wild and before he was drafted by the Wild. He also saw the World Junior Championships over there in Sweden. Chris, we got you? Yep, I'm here. There Sorry, he is. Guys. I don't know what happened there, but glad to be with you. That's all right. Great to have you. We were we had this awesome introduction for you, talking about Flow Hockey and all the great <laughs> stuff you do over there. So I won't reiterate all that. But how is how good is it to be home after a lengthy stay over there in Sweden for the World Juniors? Yeah, you know it, it was good. It was short lived because youth hockey took me, but right back on the road. But you know what? It's uh, it's good to be uh, back stateside, no question. I mean, what a beautiful place, though, Gothenburg, Sweden. It's uh, should be on everybody's hockey bucket list as one of those places where you can uh, can go see some uh, incredible hockey in, in just a beautiful city as well. Uh, Chris, uh, good to talk to you again. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, your stuff is always terrific. Uh, you're a great listen, great read. Uh, what were your overall thoughts uh, of the whole tournament as a whole, the players compared to a year ago and uh, the great performance by Team USA? Yeah, well, you know, I think certainly Team USA 
proved throughout the course of that tournament that they were the the best team in the tournament. You know, obviously the results bear that out, but but that doesn't always uh, tell the story in a tournament. The best team doesn't always win. I think in this case it it, it did happen that way. You know, I think the tournament overall, um, in terms of you know, you know, I think the star power was was a little bit lacking. I mean, we knew that there were going to be a lot of guys that were in the NHL that were still age eligible for this tournament, including you know Logan Cooley, a player that. Certainly Minnesota fans are, are going to be very familiar with, but um, you know, even without those guys, I thought the, the level of play was still very high. Um, you know, even if it wasn't a great star caliber, we saw two of the best teams in USA and Sweden play a, a great gold medal game, you know, and, and I think, I think it was just really overall, you know, a great showcase of, of the future of the game. That's this, this next wave. And, and certainly USA had had among the most star studded rosters in the whole thing. So, you know, it was it was a it was an impressive World Juniors. I think from start to finish, there were a lot of very competitive games. You know, we saw some of the, the underdog teams kind of jump up. Obviously, Czechia upsetting Canada in the in the quarterfinals was uh, was a real eye opener for a lot of people. But I, I just think you know the teams like Czechia and Slovakia are continuing to be more competitive in in this tournament, and that's a great thing for for the tournament overall. But boy, what a what a what a fun event! And then you know to see USA just kind of dominate towards the towards the end. They scored forty five goals in the tournament, mm. uh, which was uh, which was pretty incredible. They actually set a record for the most goals scored in the preliminary round by any US team. Um, so you know, I mean that that just kind of shows you how good that team was. Uh, Chris, you know it, it's great to see you know the 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 growth of the game in in the US is exploding, and with that, we're seeing US the the US you know starting or have or what have you uh, almost getting to a level on par with Canada. Uh, and I want to talk about Canada a little bit because they still have, you know, I mean, it, uh, great, great, great players. And, but for some reason in this tournament and they had a good team, they had some good players, but they seem to, you know, they, I know they, they had called a couple guys over mid-tournament. They just seem to be a little discombobulated um, in this tournament. Is that a fair assessment of, of Canada and their performance um, in this tournament this year? I, I think it absolutely is. And, and one of the things about that is, you know, unlike the U.S., Sweden, Finland, a lot of the other countries, Canada does not have a summer camp this last year. And while while it doesn't necessarily give you the full picture of who's going to be on the team, it allows you to get familiarity with your players. And I did feel like there was a little bit of a lack of familiarity with their coaching staff and their players. Now, I'm not a coach, and I very rarely will criticize coaching because of that, you know, because I, I think that there are certainly decisions that, that have to be made in a short amount of time in this tournament to have success. But I think that this the, the team failed to make adjustments when they needed to. And they also underutilize some of their better offensive players. You know, having Carson Rakoff, who's one of the top scorers in junior hockey, not on it, on your power play is, is a missed opportunity for me. Not having Matthew Wood with his big shot on your first power play is a missed opportunity. And, you know, Macklin Celebrini, even his ice time was kind of limited, even though he was so clearly Canada's best player in favor of guys like Fraser Minton, who, you know, is, isn't, doesn't have the skill level, but he has the experience. He just didn't have the skill level. So, you know, the other thing too about Canada is they had one returning player on their roster. And that was, that was Owen Beck who only played three year, three games in the year before. Hmm. And so he didn't really even get a full world junior experience last year. He came over late in the tournament. So, 
you know, I, I think that that was another factor is that, you know, I think some of the, the roster decisions weren't bad. It was just that the, the, the utilization of the team and the lack of familiarity, I think, really impacted them. And I also don't think they had the goaltending, um, which has been the case for quite a while in Canada. If there's one area where the U.S. Is, has surpassed Canada pretty in a pretty significant way, it's at the goaltending position. And we saw that with USA basically having two guys that could have been number one goalies in Jacob Fowler and Trey Augustine. Talking to Chris Peters, you want to follow him on Twitter? You should, at Chris M. Peters. He does some great work for At Flow Hockey. Uh, before we continue the conversation, Chris, give us kind of a background. If, if people are going to Flow Hockey or if they follow you on Twitter, what do you do? What's your specialty? What will they find uh, at your uh, at Chris M. Peters? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm a, a big, big prospect kind of, you know, focusing on the guys before they get to the NHL, NHL draft. Um, AHL, college hockey, junior hockey. Um, that's pretty much my entire Twitter feed is, is usually going to be mostly not NHL stuff. It's going to be about the guys that are coming up next. And then, you know, certainly at, at Flow Hockey, you know, we, we cover a lot of the junior hockey, a lot of junior league, USHL. Uh, you can find the CCHA, Atlantic Hockey, a number of other, you know, great, great leagues that we have over 40 leagues on Flow Hockey for, for streaming. So like that's, you know, it's great. I, their their stuff aligns with mine. I, I'm you know I love the NHL. I've covered the NHL. It's been great, but I, I really thrive and, and love the uh, the stuff beneath the NHL. So that's what that's that's what we try to focus on for sure. So we started the show with Steve Miller, associate head coach for the Golden Gophers, also a, a, an assistant coach there for Team USA at the World Juniors, and he described what the ambiance was like there in Sweden in that building, especially for that gold medal game, surrounded by yellow. It was crazy. It was nuts, and the Americans ended up persevering through all that. Uh, what was it like for you from your little spot there in the press box? Yeah, you know, the, the, the interesting thing was is the way that the press was set up, we were pretty much amongst the crowd, you know, so we had we had those gold jerseys all around us as well. And, you know, it really it really gave you that feel of, wow, this is European hockey where there's chanting and there's drums and there's all these things happening and, and the music is bumping and everything. I mean, the energy in that building was absolutely electric. And even, you know, after Sweden beat Canada in the preliminary round, and I, I was not at that game, but I was around the arena after that, and just the atmosphere was, I mean, it was an absolute party in Gothenburg, and I, I felt like it, that was how it was anytime Sweden played. So to be in that environment, that's I, I, that's another thing I give the U.S. team a ton of credit for is how well they played in that in that environment because I think they were so motivated to quiet that crowd every single time they they scored a goal. There was a little bit of a taunt, there was a little bit of something, and 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 really they did each time they scored a goal, it kind of took a little bit of the life out of the building. And you could kind of sense it and that tension would raise. So I've never really felt a building kind of like where you could feel that energy. I mean, I've covered Stanley Cup finals. I've covered frozen fours and, and, and conference championships and big time college hockey. But the way anytime USA scored, you could feel the entire building just have the wind sucked out of it. So that was a pretty interesting thing. And I think the players sense that and they really thrive in that environment hey. in the end. Hey, hey, Chris, uh, going into the tournament, it, it, I had some, um, not reservations, but um, just thoughts of what, you know, we, this USA team was star studded. I mean, you look up and down their lineup, um, you know, we could we could name all of them. Right. And um, my question was, how are some of these guys going to accept different roles? You know, they're all on the power play on their on their collegiate teams. They're all killing penalties. They're all and and that just can't happen. 
But I was just, I was really um, not amazed, but just really, uh, you know, happy about how everyone accepted their roles. Did you have any trepidation of that for this team going into the tournament? You know, I, I actually didn't because I think that the tone was set in the summer. And I think this is also a huge credit to, to David Carl and his staff. There was an expectation set in the summer of the standard that this team was going to play to. And and this is why I think David Carl is a great coach is yeah. that he gets buy-in from everybody and yeah. that, and, and including his coaches and what a great staff he had, you know, you mentioned Steve Miller and, and Brett Larson and, you know, Garrett Raboy and, and all those guys that came in and, and, and brought something to the table. And so I think that that standard was set in the summer. And the other thing too, that, that was really important guys like Jimmy Snuggerud and, and Cutter Gochi and Rutger McGordy, they had been through these tournaments before where they lost Good point. and they lost in the most critical games. And those guys found a way they mm-hmm. found a way. And I think that that was the biggest thing is that they were not going to allow themselves to get sucked into being down on anything to, you know, they, they, they had such motivation to win this tournament and that 04 birth year, really, those were the guys that drove the bus in the most important games. Those were the guys that stepped up in the big moments where Carter Gauthier scores a game winner against Finland or Isaac Howard has two in the gold medal game. Um, you know, Lane Hudson played 27 minutes in the gold medal game on D. Um, the, the only trepidation I had was, you know, they, they had a lot of puck moving defensemen. They didn't have a lot of stoppers, but then you had guys like Ryan Chesley step up and do that. You had Drew Fortescue do that. You had Sam Renzel do that. So, you know, I think that that was really cool to see that all of those guys found their role, they played it, and then they stuck to it. And I think that's one credit to the coaching staff and then obviously to the players for swallowing their egos and, and just saying, hey, we're going to go for this gold medal. And I think they had buy-in from every single guy. Yeah, you could see it uh, through your television screen for sure on this side of the world, and obviously you saw it there inside the building as well. Uh, you mentioned a name there that's drawn a lot of attention here lately. The Wild played the uh, Flyers last night, and they got to see the other side of the trade in Jimmy Drysdale. Meanwhile, Carter Gauthier says, I want nothing to do with the Flyers, gets dealt to the Ducks. <laughs> what do you think of that whole thing and how it transpired? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. You know, I guess it's kind of been bubbling for a while. Um, you know, Cutter never really kind of tipped his hand in terms of what, what was going to happen. But I did get the sense kind of towards the end of the tournament that something was something was amiss with Philly. And, uh, and you know, I think in the end, there's a couple of different factors here. Some, to me, something happened. We don't know what it was, but something happened. I don't think that Cutter Goche in a vacuum just decides he didn't want to be a flyer out of nowhere. I don't think that happened. I, you know, there was also a regime change and all these different things that kind of happened in the midst of, of him being there. And I, I just kind of wonder, you know, what, what may have transpired that we're not hearing about. And, and Cutter has not necessarily been forthcoming about that. So, you know, he, when you're not, you kind of bear the, the criticism. And then certainly the Flyers did a full court press on saying, hey, he didn't want to be here, so we let him go. Um, w- what I do think, though, is that the Anaheim Ducks are getting a stud player and a guy that's going to be – a big part of their future. And you look at like Jamie Drysdale's a, a heck of a defenseman. And I, I, I have, I think he's going to be great for the flyers, but, but Anaheim has a surplus in that. And I'm a little bit, you know, if I'm the Western conference right now, I'm starting to look at Anaheim and the prospect mm. pool that they've built mm-hmm. up and, and some of the young guys they have. And, you know, Jackson Lacombe is one of those guys, guys that, that Minnesota people will be familiar with. I mean, they're, they're coming. And, and so having, adding Cutter Goche to that mix is going to be very scary for the rest of the Western Conference in about two to three years, I think. Awesome stuff, Chris. I hope we can do this again here in the relative near future. This was uh, fun. Good to catch up. Uh, 
I know, I've followed your work for a long, long time. This is my first conversation with you. I know Pat knows you better than I do, but uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Such a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope you have a, have a great rest of your day. There he is, Chris Peters. Thanks, Chris. Find him on Twitter, at Chris M. Peters. Does a great job with yeah. over there in Sweden. I tried to track him, really, or anyone down after the uh, uh, gold medal game, and everyone was traveling that Saturday, unfortunately, but... Uh, he does a great job, and I know he had a lot of fun over there in Sweden. He's, uh, he's, his pulse is on hockey. That is uh, for certain. And uh, as you uh, alluded to, I concur. He does a wonderful job. Got Lou Nanny coming up here in, in a matter of moments. But before we get in the break, let's go to Prior Lake and check in with Denny. Good evening. Good good evening. Good morning, Denny. How are you doing? He's got us good in Good morning, guys. There we are. What's happening? Turn off that radio. Well, I got Danny, you're better than that. Turn off your radio, Danny. <laughs> I like to listen to myself yell at you twice, but go ahead, Danny. <laughs> okay, I got two things for you. Okay. Number one, you talked about snugging up when you're playing Colorado, but you haven't seen anybody who's got a shot like him. I thought of one. Who? Brett Hall. Um, what do you think? Uh, Brett Hall had a heavier shot. And I mean, there's a difference yep. between quick and heavy. Hall had a had a heavy shot, and yeah, certainly a, qu- a quick release. But um, I have never seen. Uh, there's not a player in the National Hockey League today, today, that has a quicker release Whoa. than Jimmy Snuggerud. Really? Yeah. Bedard? No, yep. No. No. But Art's got a pretty good shot. He's got a good shot and a quick release. Yeah, he does. But I, I, I don't. Better. I don't think. Uh, I don't think. It's as quick as Snuggerud's. I've argued with you enough. I will take. I asked Bob Motzko last night. He said maybe Mike Bossy. Wow. Yeah. Holy. Smokes. I mean that's that's a and and it's just ridiculous. I'm sorry, Denny. Continue. Okay, that, that's fine. I mean, I like listening to you guys talk. Secondly, uh, you're dealing uh, on uh, uh, Wallstead. Yeah. I definitely think he's ready. Uh, it was a bad game, but, you know, when you put him in again at, at home is where he should be if he played his first game to begin with. Okay. You're going to see a much better. Uh, listen. Thirdly, last but not least. Kevin wants to send him no, to the Heartlanders. Kevin wants to send him to the Heartlanders. I hope it's tomorrow. I, or I don't <laughs> hope it's tomorrow. But when he's here, I want him here for good. And, honestly, I don't think he's ready well, yet. He's not going to be here for good with when you got two guys that are um, exactly. Under, con- so, under contract. Yes, and if everyone was healthy, he wouldn't be here. He was here because they needed a stopgap, and he's not ready. Well, That's well, it. Not, well, you don't know if he's ready because he played one game. My eyes tell me he's not ready. Denny, finish it up. we got to get to Lou Nanny. Okay. okay. Uh, last, this uh, super show that I've been oh trying to promote with you guys. Well, who's yes. that involved? Would you guys like my help in putting a, a podcast together? Uh, th- you know what I need in my life? A podcast. I, that's what I need more of. Podcast. All right, Denny. I, we got to go. Lou Nanny right around the corner. So let's uh, turn the page and uh, we'll see if the if the godfather hey, of show Minnesota Denny, hockey. Would you show Denny a little bit more respect, please? No, I, enough of the super show. Uh, Denny, I love you more than sometimes my own kids. But enough of the super show. Enough of the podcast. Who's the sh- super show with? I don't know. Did he out? Did- your entire family, I think, <laughs> which would be awesome. <sighs> I got to decompress. Lou Nanny next on Beyond the Pond. This is Wild GM Bill Guerin, and you're listening to Fallness and Micheletti on Beyond the Pond on KFAN. 
Hour two of Beyond the Pond. And we couldn't have a hockey show this week, Pat, without having this guy on. I call him the godfather of Minnesota hockey. He's not even one of us, but he's been here what for do you so mean? long. What do you mean? Now he has become one of us, right? <laughs> he's not from here, but it feels like it. Uh, Lou Nanny is a f- part of the on, fabric come on. of Minnesota, Minnesota hockey, and everything else great about this state. Lou Nanny, that's Pat Micheletti. I'm Kevin Falmus. Welcome to Beyond the Pond. Be with you. Thank you. Where are you, in Florida? Yeah, North Palm Beach. Yeah. Right. Well, it's uh, it's cold, it's windy, it's snowing. You are in the right place. It's six here, Louie. Six. I know. I see. I, <laughs> I watch it on the app. <laughs> I bet you do. And you can and, smile. And you're, and you're laughing. Yeah. All right, Louie, yeah. I put together a Mount Rushmore of, of, of Minnesota hockey. And he, here's my list. Tell me if you agree with it. I've got I've got Herb Brooks, I've got John Mayasich, I've got John Mariucci, and I have you. And then I have two extra guys that I threw in there as as uh, alternates, and I have Neil Broughton and Phil Housley. Does that work for you? Well, it's very nice of you. <laughs> it's just nice to be mentioned with all those guys. Uh, of course, the big reason we're having you on is because earlier this week you announced, and, and especially there with Dan Barrero here on FM 100.3, the fan, that after 60 years behind the microphone in front of the camera for the Minnesota State Boys High School Hockey Tournament, you're calling it a career. Why after 60 years, Lou, why is now the right time to pull the cl- uh, pull the plug? Well, I think that, you know, when you get to my age, you know, I'm 82 years old now, and, and you, you like to – you like to make decisions when you can and uh, not let decisions be made because you couldn't make any. And you never know what your health is going to be like now. You you don't know where you're, you know, where you're going, what's happening. And and I, I really enjoyed it. And 50 years seemed like a good number. I, I just, I, whenever I do something, I like, like to be able to do them where I'm, you know, considerably uh, thinking about my terms too. And uh, I think it's a good decision to make, not putting it in somebody else's hands that, you know, we might not agree on some things of that sort. And I've done it for such a long time. It's time for somebody else to do it. And I, I've loved it. I've really enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, things change. And and, uh, and for me, it gets a little tougher to come back and, and do it. Last year, you know, I'm, I'm there. I did four games on Thursday. And Driving home, I was in it. And we were having a little snowstorm, and I was on Shepherd Road, eleven forty at night, and I I hit a pothole so big I thought I lost my car, and everything was going wild in my dashboard. I couldn't reach my phone. I didn't have a coat on, so I didn't know what to do. I kept driving. I drove five, twelve miles with a flat tire, and I said, "What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing?" <laughs> and I said, "That was like." You know, like a, a message to me, it's time to make a change. I'm wondering, and I don't want to wish time away, and I know everyone's going to savor what this year's tournament is going to be like, and we're going to take in every single second we can of Lou Nanny calling his 60th Boys State High School hockey tournament. But I wonder what it's going to be like for you in spring of 2025. Again, I'm not looking past this year because we're going to enjoy the heck out of it. But have you imagined what that's going to be like to watch the tournament as a fan? Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought about it, and I know at the time I'm going to miss it. At the time I'm going to uh, maybe even have regrets I'm not doing it because I, 
I enjoyed it so much. Every year was so different. And every year when I got to doing it, then I really was happy I was doing it. But uh, to imagine not doing it again, I'm sure I'm going to have some, uh, you know, some feelings of regret. I, would, I, I wouldn't be surprised to have that. I would think I would have that. But I, I, I just know it's the right decision. It's time for someone else to come in. And 60 is a nice round number. Awfully big shoes to fill, whoever it is that's the next Lou Nanny. I'm just trying to think of some names off the top of my head. Anyone in mind? Like, you don't get to make that decision, but do you have anyone in mind that you'd like to see in that role? Well, the guy sitting beside you, I wouldn't mind if he took over. <laughs> you know, Pat Micheletti, uh, really? Let's move on. Let's move on to your... <laughs> uh, he played for me. I, I've known Pat and his family for so long. He does a great job on... And, and on the radio and TV, and he, he enjoys it so much, and he he's passionate about it. And I I really think that uh, was my choice. That's what I would be doing. Again, it's not your decision, but that's a hell of a vote of confidence, Louis. I want to go um, back to your playing career because when, whenever you're on the radio, whenever you're you know we're talking about you as a broadcaster, as a general manager, as a coach, but as a player, I grew up uh, in in Hibbing, Minnesota, of which you know. Uh, and and we got either hockey night in Canada or or the North Star games and and um, um, I, I want to take it back a little further to your career at the University of Minnesota and and I looked something up and you led the WCHA in scoring as a defenseman in 1962-1963. There's only been one other defenseman to lead the league in scoring. And that was another former gopher, Mike Crowley in 1997. I mean, yeah, it's unheard yeah, but, of. To, and he tied somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's just talk about your career at the U and the players that you played with and, and, um, and, and what, how special it was to, to be a gopher uh, when you were playing. Well, I treasured my time at the university and I had, and have so many friends from the team there. And, uh, like, I, I still see Larry Johnson a lot, David Brooks, uh, Len Lillyholm, yeah. Gary Schmaltzbauer, you know, guys we we played with. Uh, and uh, our first year, my first year, uh, David and, and uh, Len, and Len Lillyholm as well, uh, was in 1960-61. Freshmen couldn't play when I when I Oh, that's so right. I yeah. Three years. And so, but when I when I came there, um, freshman couldn't play, so that was much fun. Except Mariucci says, uh, "I want you practicing with us." So I practiced with the varsity all week, and then on the weekends, I, you know, if they had some games against small colleges or some the freshman team, I play with them. And even that, the funniest thing of all, you know, I almost went to North Dakota, and North Dakota tried to get me, and they didn't have a dental school, that's why I didn't go there. And uh, I see. I wanted to go to St. Mike's in Toronto to play and go to University of Toronto to be a dentist. But Chicago won my rights from when I was 13, and they said, <laughs> "No, you're going to play in St. Catharines, or you can't play in Canada." So uh, you know, I I said, "Heck with Then I'll go to the states. And uh, so I, I Mariucci called me. I didn't even know where Minnesota was from. And that first year, when the, <laughs> the Gophers went up and played North Dakota. It was, I think it was like in January. Because <laughs> I want you, to, yeah, after practice, bring your stuff tomorrow. You're coming to North Dakota. I said, why? I can't play. He said, you're coming. 
I said, okay, fine. So I drive up there with the team, and, you know, we get off the bus. He's waiting for me. And he said, I wanted to take you here and see the mistake you almost made going here instead of coming to the U. Hmm. <laughs> so I, I thought that was a little funny. But, I've, uh, you know, we had we had some good players that first year. We went to the Final Four, and, and, uh, and now they call it the Frozen Four. And we were beat by Denver, but uh, we had a real good team. And another you know, real good hockey players, and Oscar Molly, I thought was a terrific player with us, and and uh, he died too young. But we had we had a great group of guys. You guys have both brought up a name that uh, I've always been fascinated with, and I didn't know him like either of you. In John Mariucci, Pat put him on the Mount Rushmore of Minnesota hockey, you know, folklore for sure. You played underneath him at the U of M, and I'm sure you became good friends with him after your time on the U of M campus. How would you describe John Mariucci as a coach and as a mentor? Well, John and I became very close. He was like, yep. he was like my second father. In fact, uh, my junior year. Uh, you know, my junior year, I got married. I, I told John during the year, I said, I want to get married at the end of the year. I said, <laughs> uh, and can you help find me a sponsor for my wife so I can get a green card to bring her down here? She said, and he said, I'll sponsor. So he became her sponsor. <laughs> and every time before we, you know, my wife and I'd walk in, <laughs> getting ready to go, you know, when I was going to play a game, and he'd be standing out there and says, remember, Francine, if he doesn't play good tonight, you go home. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's a great line. He became, he became like my second father, and uh, so when I when I graduated, and I got the contract dispute with Chicago, we had agreed to terms, but they didn't want to send the, the contract until I went to camp. I wouldn't go to camp without the contract, which no one ever did in those days, and no one would ever buck them. So I did. So John uh, asked me to coach a freshman team. I said, "I can. I'm, I'm working. He's well. I'll change the time." So he changed the time of the freshman team so I could coach a freshman while I was working <clears throat> and then um, he's got to really convince me to turn pro when I came home from the Olympics and he said you got to play Lou you can't you can't go through life you know you got the talent to play you, you got to play so I signed with the North Stars and when I became a general manager I had him as my assistant general manager right. and uh, he was terrific I mean he was really good and he'd go and scout players and and I, I listened to him a lot I, I just uh, really relied on him Hey, Louie, I, I want to go from, from your North Star playing career, and, and help me get this right. Um, you served as interim coach for a while uh, and then became the general manager. Correct me if I'm wrong, if I if I didn't get I that. Became, no, no, I, I, yeah, you are wrong. I, I became general manager. And, and then, okay, and, yep. And, and, like, I played Wednesday night in New York. We lost 5 nothing. It was February 6th. And... Uh, and I went back to my hotel room, and the, the one of the owners and the president of the club, two of them, they called me and said they wanted to talk to me when I got in the next day. And so I went to your office, what do you want to talk about? And they said, we want you to take over the team. And and uh, we had a discussion about that. He said, we want you to meet the full board Friday morning at the Minnesota Club, which is now the Minnesota Wild Offices, Yeah. at 7.30. So I went there at 7.30, and... And the 10 of them were there, and they were interviewing me about taking over the team, what we had to do, stuff like that. And then they said, uh, who are some of the people you're going to hire? I said, well, if I do this, I'm going to be, you know, you're hiring me as general manager, but I'm going to take over as interim coach till I can hire a coach I want because I wanted some of the guys I wanted to 
to work for me. And one of them I mentioned was Glenn Sonmore. And one of the owners says, nope, you can't do that. <laughs> I said, why not? He says, well, he worked for the WHA and they almost put us out of business. And I says, well, then you got to get somebody else. I said, don't worry about it. I'm retiring at the end of the year anyway. I, I already had Eagleson uh, talk to me about working for the Players Association. Right. Uh, one of the teams uh, in the NHL, their owner talked to me about being general manager at the end of the year, another team. So I, I, I no, nah, just do what you got to do. I'm, I'm going back. And they wait outside for a minute. So I went outside. To, five minutes later, they came out and says, okay, you're hired. What, so I went back to the rink. I practiced at 10 o'clock. I told the trainer, come down and get me at 1030. He said, why is it just come down and get me? Because we were having the press conference at 12. So then, at, you know, I was hired at 12 and they let the general manager and coach go. And I took over as general manager and coach. But I said, I'll only coach till the end of the year. I don't want to coach. I don't think one guy should be doing both jobs. And and I, I, I love coaching during the game, but I don't like coaching a practice like the repetition is too boring for me so I, <laughs> I didn't want to do that so yeah so i coached till the end of the year and then i hired uh another coach well actually we, we merged so i had to take harry howell but that only lasted for a short time till harry had a problem with his he was having some problem with his heart the first few weeks and so you you better not coach i moved him into director player personnel and i hired glenn now you were you were fairly young when 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 all of this happened, right? And yeah, uh, I was thirty six. Yeah, think about it, wow. right? And think about that now. And and you were the general manager, interim coach, both positions. How you know it's a different time. You know, I get that. But um, was it was it difficult for you, or or, or how challenging was it for you to maybe have to trade? bench, whatever the case, with guys that you played with? Well, Pat, Teammates. Said that. Uh, first of all, how challenging. I didn't have any assistant, any assistant coach. So I'd, I'd run practice in the morning, catch a plane, fly to some place to watch somebody like Bobby Smith, say, play, because he and Brad Marsh were, were going to – they're both rated number one and two. And I'd catch a first flight back in the morning, go back to practice, and then the, send the team on, see somewhere else that we're going to play, and have our trainer, Doc Rose, check them all in. That, <laughs> and I come in the next morning for the game. But the first guy I traded, uh, you know, when, when I took over, I, I walked in the locker room Saturday morning. I said, well, guys, I said, as you know, things change. Yesterday I was your teammate, today I'm your boss. <laughs> and I just want to tell you, I said, you're all friends of mine, and I'm going to consider you friends of mine for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do what I have to do. And if I do things that you don't like, you might not consider me a friend. That's your <laughs> prerogative, but that's not going to stop me from doing my job. And the first guy I traded four days later, I ro- I rode with for four years to the game. Mm. So, you know, and yeah, I had to do things that, uh, you know, I, I just felt I had to do. My budget was a million two at the time. I went and saw the player budget. Can you imagine that? Oh. <laughs> All uh, 19 of us were making a million two collectively. And and now uh, when I when I left in uh, 91, our player budget was 6.7 million. Today it's 84 million. Unbelievable. So, <laughs> Crazy. But the two highest paid players at the time, I, I, I had to trade in my mind because they, they were – making much more money than I thought that they should be making. And I, I was in a bind. So 
I had to make a lot of moves. I made a lot of moves, but uh, that's, you know, things I had to do. And, and, you know, you just do what you feel you got to do. The one thing I always felt is I'm the boss, so I'm going to be the boss. Mm -hmm. Now, I always, in other words, I wasn't afraid to make decisions. Right. But I always had my, as I developed the staff and I have staff, I always consult my staff and get their opinions. But at the end of the day, I have to decide, you know, what I want to do because I'm making the calls. It's my livelihood. And I, and I, and I thought that, you know, I, I try to get as good staff as I could because if you have real good people working for you, they're never going to get your job because they're going to make you look good all the time by giving you good advice. I'll tell you, we started this thing out with Pat t- telling us about his Mount Rushmore of Minnesota hockey. Uh, on my Mount Rushmore of storytellers, here's my list, Louis. What do you think? J.P. Parisi, Glenn Sonmore, Tom Reed, and the great Lou Nanny. The, I remember back in the day thinking, if I could get the four of you in the same room and just listen to you guys talk, I'd be in in, on, in hog heaven. I'm going to have you tell me one more story before we let you go. I'm doing the math. You got done with the U- University of Minnesota in 1963. We're going on the 60th anniversary of your time behind the mic calling Boys State High School hockey tournament games. How did you get in the booth at 64 and in 1964, and how did you make the last 60 years? Well, I uh, I was working, as I told you. I was doing a lot of things. I was coaching a freshman. I was working for Harvey McKay Envelope Company. I was broadcasting high school games on radio for a station in St. Louis Park. They called me WTCN, and they said, Luke, can you come down here? We'd like to talk to you. I said, sure, and I went down and said, what's up? They said, uh, we're going to be broadcasting the state high school tournament. We'd like to have you do the color. Would you like to do it? I said, sure. I've never done it. <laughs> and so uh, they said, uh, well, go downstairs and talk to to uh, <laughs> Mel Jat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interview people and say, you got a good job. That was a big line. Well, Mel gave me some tips and stuff like that. And uh, 1964, that's when I started. And I guess, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know, just, I got very involved in it, and, and uh, I, I really worked at it. I wanted I wanted to do a good job, and I enjoyed it. And uh, even when I was playing, it was funny because the North Stars, like, we might play home Wednesday night, and then we're playing somewhere else Friday or Saturday. The North Stars would let me stay back for a day so I could broadcast wow. for a day, and then i go fly and catch up to them, you know? I, I didn't was, even think of that. Great. Mm. Huh? Yeah, I didn't even I mean, think about that. You were playing and, and, and doing the tournament. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that's it's crazy, crazy to well, think. You, you, hold it. If you think if you think that's crazy, listen to this. My last <laughs> year playing, uh, I think it was ABC had the rights for the NHL game of the week. Yes, and the game of the week was on Monday night, and and uh, because we were such a bad team that you know going into that year, they didn't give us any games to play. We were not going to be in TV any Monday night, so ABC called and asked. Uh, I guess it was Walter Bush and yep. uh, Teddy Harris's coach. If I could broadcast the games on Monday night, they said sure because we never played Monday night. <laughs> so we played Sunday. I'd fly Monday, do the game, and Tuesday morning I'd fly or t- take a train where it was to join the team to play Tuesday night. Unbelievable! And the funny part was it, on the Monday night I was doing the game in Philadelphia. The North Stars were playing at, uh, in Long Island on Tuesday and in Madison Square Garden, New York Rangers, Wednesday. So I went to do the game Monday, 
I took the train up Tuesday morning. There was a snowstorm. The North Stars couldn't make it in. We didn't play in Long Island on Tuesday. So the team came right into Manhattan. We played the Rangers Wednesday. And Wednesday night after the game is when I got the call to meet the guys to take over the team. Oh, my Crazy. gosh. What that a story. Insanity. I, I'll tell you what. You've done a lot of things in your career. You've accomplished a lot of things. But here's here's we'll let you go on this party note. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Russo on. We kept them for eight minutes. You got three times the amount of Michael Russo, top blogger in all the land. So I don't know if, how that makes you feel, Louis, but uh, it was awesome to have you on as always. Well, I'm three times better looking than appropriate. Amen to that. (laughs) Louie, congratulations on an awesome career. Don't go anywhere. We can't wait to watch you on the uh, television this year. Obviously, we're going to love it even more knowing that it's your last one. But uh, stay close, all right? Don't don't spend all your time in Florida. Great to be with you. Yeah, and uh, my best to Francine also. Amen. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it, yeah. There he is, the great Lou Nanny. I, I agree with your Mount Rushmore. I, and well, I, I think about. I, listen, I, I and yeah, I say that, and I'm kind of biased because I, I, I know all these people so well. I knew Herbie since I was, you know, uh, five years old, and, yeah. and John Mariucci. John Mariucci, um, uh, he was uh, was dying of cancer, and and we had a game against the Wisconsin Badgers in the afternoon, and we beat the Badgers. And Wally Chapman, who was the, our captain there, uh, he and I went over to the university hospital, and and John was was you know he was he was dying, and and uh, we wanted to give him the game puck, and so Wally and I walk in there, and John Marriage was one of the toughest guys ever that you'll ever want to meet, right? And and he couldn't get out of bed, but guess what? He got out of bed. He stopped us at the door and said, "Don't." You stand right there, and he got out of bed, and uh, you know, I, I, I just, um, it was, it was just, uh, he's an amazing person. Another quick little story: when, when he was doing what, what Louis had asked him to do, going around and looking at guys. Well, he used to come and scout us all the time, and, and uh, I remember in the Everleth Hipp- Hippodrome, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm about 140 pounds, if that, right? Yeah, yeah. And he had, he had these hands. You know, his fingers were the size of, of bratwurst, right? <laughs> and and he would tell me, and he would poke me with his finger, and I would just cringe because I didn't want to show him that, you know, it hurt so yeah. bad. And I'd get home, and I had all these marks on my on my chest. And he said, yeah, you better start doing push-ups right now. You want to play college hockey, you want to play in the pros, you better start getting stronger. And uh, But we had a great relationship, and, and – uh, and of course, a great John Mayasich, um, you know, who is the by far the best player to ever come out of the state of Minnesota. Um, just great people. And I'm, I tell you what, I I am just fortunate enough to have known or know all of these people. Yeah. Uh, you know, such great, uh, great uh, to me throughout my whole career. Amazing memories. And that's what uh, I think uh, makes you so much fun to listen to. Yeah. And that's why it's it's fun to have you on Beyond the Pond and everywhere else. We hear your voice all across the great state of hockey on any given day. Uh, we got We're way late for a break. We completely missed the straddle. <laughs> Brett Blakemore's breakaways are going to be breakaway. But we'll pr- try to get into that, uh, too, before we wrap up the show, because we still got to get to Taylor Heisey. They've got a game coming up tomorrow in the PW. UHL and they're back on home ice. So quick break on Beyond the Pond and more on KFN after this. This is Wild Captain Jared Spurgeon, and you're listening to Falness and Micheletti on Beyond the Pond.
Hey, it's Tennessee Studios on the fan. Super quick segment before we wrap up the show. In the final half hour, we will have Taylor Heisian from the Minnesota PWHL team. They're on the ice tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Wild on the ice tonight. 6.45 pregame. Puck drops at 7 o'clock as they host the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, John Hines addressing the media here momentarily. It was supposed to be around 11.20. I haven't seen anything from the world of Twitter to tell me that he's already said anything more other than the fact that the Wild uh, activated Philip Gustafson from the injured reserve. Looks like he's starting tonight. I would assume that that'll be the case. I haven't yeah. heard anything, though, about Kirill Kaprizov or Jonas Brodin. Both skated yesterday. It'd be nice to have them back in the lineup. It sure would. I think <laughs> that would need, be good. They need a win. They need one in the, in the worst way possible. They've lost five straight at home. They've dropped seven of their last eight, including three in a row, and now have fallen to 12-9-1 under John Hines. Last night they fell short, blew a 3-1 lead in the third. They fall to the Flyers in overtime. That's not good. Good, though, the Gophers got the victory last night against Robert Morris. They got the rematch coming up tonight at 5 o'clock. Wally and Frank on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 <clears throat> and FM 103.5. <clears throat> And I think if you look hard enough, you can probably find it on your television dial. Yeah, Fox 9 Plus. Fox 9 Plus with Sam Ekstrom and... And me. The great Pat (laughs) Nicoletti. So that that sets the table for everything coming up here later on today. Let's take a break, and then when we continue, a little PWHL talk with Taylor Heisey, followed by Brett Blakemore's Breakaways. Overall pick in the inaugural professional women's hockey league draft, Minnesota selects Taylor Heisey. That's it. Now here's Heisey with speed. Cuts in, shoots, and scores. Taylor Heisey. Heisey again. She scores. Taylor Heisey. Second of the game, and Minnesota's back in front. One of the stars on a loaded Minnesota PWHL team, it's Taylor Heisey joining us now as she gets ready for another matchup coming up at XL Energy Center tomorrow afternoon. Taylor, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? We're, we're good. Are you down at Trio Rink? Is that where we're catching you? Yes, I am. I, we just got done with practice and some video, so just... Um ready to roll over here. Uh, big game tomorrow, but I want to take you back to last night and your former team having a tough go, as as we say, right? Uh, that must have been difficult yeah. to see. Um, the Buckeyes coming in and, and, and beating the uh, your former team 7 to nothing. So many positive things going I on know, in her life. Did you bring this up? Well, I, when I saw it, I had to do a double take <laughs> of it. I'm, that just that just doesn't happen. But you know what? It, it happens once in a while, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I, I was there last night, so... I uh, I did watch the game. Um, I've been through one or two of those my yeah. career, and they're they're tough to to get through, obviously. But um, as long as you can bounce back the next day and make it a competitive match, um, that's usually what matters. And I talked to some of the girls after the game, and that's kind of what uh, the vibe I got from them, which is obviously something that you want to hear after after a game of that uh, you know ends seven zero. Well, you haven't experienced it with the Minnesota PWHL yet, no. man. You guys are rolling. I know it's a it's a six team league, and every team is loaded, but it feels like yours is extra loaded. Yeah, ours is. You know, we have a great team, and it's been an exciting run already. I feel like we've been playing for you know a week, but we've obviously been playing for a little more than that. So 
it's been fun to learn, learn as a group and grow as a group, grow with our coaching staff, you know, with everyone that helps us off the ice. I think we have the, we have an amazing staff. I say we have the best. I might be, you know, biased, <laughs> but, um, you know, we have so much, uh, work that's done behind the scenes that allows us to play at our best. So, you know, we're really grateful to be here and obviously practicing out a tree and playing out of the Excel Energy Center is a, is a dream. You know, you guys are, are starting something that, in my opinion, is going to explode. I think it, I think the league did it right by only starting out with six teams uh, and, and then, yeah. you know, um, expand from there when necessary. Uh, but you're getting all of the all the best um, ladies uh, playing this game. Girls, I, I don't know the correct uh, how I should say that, but women um, and, right. and 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 it's just, uh, you know, the, the talent is, you know, you're playing against these these uh, other other women. And I tell you, it's, it's been phenomenal to watch. It's been phenomenal to play, honestly. I think, you know, like you said, it's, you know, six teams at this point seemed, you know, valuable and something that we could, you know, make work. And I think the six teams, like you said, there's so many all-stars on each team, but there's also so many, you know, girls that haven't gotten their time in the spotlight yet and that are going to, you know, pop off here soon coming up. I think everyone can compete and that's exactly what we wanted to to make as, as this league. And, you know, it happened so quick in a matter of like four months and now we're here playing hockey. So I think, you know, we didn't quite know or know what to expect, I guess, uh, when it came to, you know, the league and, and how many games and, and the, the travel and things like that. But it has been nothing short of awesome. So, you know, we're really grateful, like I said, to not only have our amazing staff, but to have the league behind us and, and the backing and the financial support as well. I got to be honest with you. I mean, or, 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 were you surprised at all to see um, the crowds so large at, at what, you know, when you, when you first started 13,000 here, or 12,000, whatever right. in, in Ottawa. Um, did, were you surprised at all by that? I wasn't. I think for me, I try not to put an expectation on what, you know, we were going to get fan wise. I think sometimes when you play on a Wednesday, you, like that's when the youth play here in Minnesota state, uh, like high school plays as well. So, you know, we want, we just wanted to play hockey and, yep. and all of us said that to everyone. We we're like, we want to play hockey. That was our goal this year. And to have 13,000 fans show up to the home opener, like I didn't, feel like it was going to be anything different than that just because I know Minnesota and I know our perspective like group of an audience that we've kind of you know worked with and you know something as our team we've talked about is sometimes when you know you're a professional athlete you're like untouchable and we don't want to be like that we want to make sure that after games we come up and we meet every single little girl that (laughs) or boy grown woman grown man whoever wants to meet us and make it seem like we are people we are people too you know we're we're not just someone that's untouchable who gets you know, limousine rides and <laughs> flying private planes and things. So, you know, we want to make sure that that's, that's why. And I think that's why you get a lot of girls coming. And, you know, we've had a lot of people speak out and say, you know, after the first game I came, I bought season tickets. And, you know, that's a dream, too. You hear that and you're like, that's awesome. And I'm glad that, you know, we can make that work for people. I'm told that the uh, 3 o'clock game tomorrow against New York, great lower level seats are still available, starting at just $19. If that's not enough for you, an open practice on Monday, 2 right. o'clock at TRIA. Doors open at 145. And that that's where we get to meet you in person if the fans want to come out. Yep. Full team autograph session at 3.15. You talk about your fantastic staff, and we had your general manager on last week. Everyone knows about Natalie yep. Darwitz. She needs no introduction. Yep. But how about your head coach? Old guys like me and Pat remember Ken Clee as a player. <laughs> What's he like as a coach? He's awesome. I think, you know, we we obviously got him a little later. Uh, he came in about five days before our first game. 
Um, I wasn't nervous. I think at that point, sometimes it's better to have that and just to be told to go out and play hockey. We can all play. We've all played this game since we were young, um, but he makes it fun. Like that is one of our top things. We were doing video today and, and we were talking about something and they're like, what do we need to do? And everyone's guessing like hockey terms. They're like, okay, let's stop on pucks, whatever. And he's like, don't just have fun. Like you go out there and have fun. Good things happen. Yep. Yeah, like, that's I, just I, the simpl- simplicity of the game. So, yeah. you know, he's someone that really cares about the game and, you know, he comes in and does some of our drills and he was doing our breakaways today too. So he makes it fun and he makes it competitive. And, you know, we do practice for an hour and 10 minutes every day instead of two hours. And sometimes people practice for more because we do things the right way. You do it for a short amount of time, you do it right. And you get off the ice and you make sure you have energy for the next day. So he's great. Um, and, you know, to know that he's played in the NHL and he's got kids in college, like he just gets the game. So it's, it's pretty awesome to be coached by him, for sure. Well, l- let me tell you one thing. La- Laura Halderson, who is a, a good friend of, of mine yeah. and, you know, a pioneer of women's hockey going way back and in the, in the Hall of Fame at the University of Minnesota. Um, you know, I think of her. I think of Natalie, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and the countless others and, and the group that you guys have and what you are doing for the little girls who are two, three, four, five years old now, um, and right. what this is going to be? I think it's phenomenal. I think um, you know you guys deserve um, so much, and and I hope the the support, and I know it will uh, continue. But uh, you know you should be awfully, awfully uh, proud of yourself, and and as your whole team should. Thank you so much. We definitely are. I think, like I said, it's an opportunity to be better every day and not just be better for us, but to be better for the, the generations that are to come and the generations that missed out on this awesome opportunity. Minnesota.thepwhl.com. You guys are on the ice tomorrow, 3 o'clock against New York. Haven't looked at their roster. What are you expecting tomorrow as you guys try to remain not only unbeaten on home ice, but an unbeaten period in the history of Minnesota right. PWHL hockey? Yeah, you know, there's obviously every team in this league going to be, you know, one to one to deal with. So for us, you know, our biggest key for tomorrow is to focus on us and to focus on getting better every game. We've consistently over the past three games, you know, gained momentum um, as a group. So I think, you know, they have some really good national team players, but they also have a really like just stacked lineup of girls that go out and work really hard. So for us, we're going to, you know, try to get pucks on net but also, you know, possess the puck a little bit more, have more ozone time, and, you know, know that we have so many people on our team that can score and put the puck in the net, but we also have a lot of playmakers. So, so you'll probably right play. <laughs> so you- goal in the net. you'll probably pot three tomorrow, you know. Uh, a prediction? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that, because that's, what you, that's, that win, that's so. what you do, Taylor. That's what you do. <laughs> Taylor, hey, Taylor, thanks for doing this. Uh, have Thank fun you. down there at Tria and blow the roof off that place tomorrow, okay? Will do. Thank you so much. Taylor Heisey, three goals and four points in three games. Like I said, the Minnesota PWHL undefeated through three games. They'll look to make it 4-0 tomorrow when they take on New York. Three o'clock at XL Energy Center. Lower level seats are available starting at just $19. You want more information on them or anything to do with the Minnesota PWHL? www.minnesota.thepwhl.com She's unbelievable. Yeah, she's a hell of a player, and that's she's a hell of a lineup. A, yeah, like I yeah. said, every I, I, every I, I team they're dis- doing it the right single way. Single her out because they they have you know a multitude of 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 um, stars on that team, but man, she is something else. Yep, easy easy team to root for, and an easy league to root for as well. Hopefully, they keep it going. It's been a great start. Hopefully, it keeps going. You know, we've got a little bit of time left, and we got to squeeze in. 
Fire it. It's time for Brett Blake Moore's Breakaway. Caprice in alone. Nobody going to catch him. Caprice up. Score! I always brace myself. <laughs> and now, Blake Moore's Breakaway. Oh, I can't wait to see where this goes. What a great open. Isn't that awesome? Thank you to you and Halvey for putting Halvey. that. Halvey. Halvey for putting that one together. Well, let's start here, shall we? More out. And by the way, I have you. You two have both said something I vehemently disagree with during the course of this show. Good. So we will bring both of those Tells up. Tells me some we're point both right about in, something. <laughs> good one. Uh, more outrageous: the no call on Erickson Eck or blowing the lead before the. It's blowing the call. lead without a doubt. And Pat, I, you didn't see. Well, you did. You saw the third period without a doubt. The the missed call is sucks without a doubt. Never should have got to that point. You're up three one early in the third against a ho hum Philadelphia Flyers team. You needed that win. You're on home ice. You're skating with a three one. Never should have got to overtime. Agreed. That was easy. I invented a new game for this segment called misdemeanor felony or war crime okay uh, bobby brink didn't start should torts be tried for a misdemeanor a felony or a war crime well can i start please do uh i'm not going to give him any crime because his job in the national hockey league is to put out um, what he thinks is going to be the best possible chance for his team to win that night if not Hey, there's no question about it. I and, agree. And listen, and you can say, well, is he not better than uh, Delorier? That or, was going to be okay, my point. <laughs> but, but maybe he thought, you know what? We, we need Delorier in the lineup to send, it, to send a message and to not, you know, not get taken advantage of. I get it. Trust me. I would have loved. And for Bobby Brink and his family and the 30 people that he was going to bring in, you know, but, but you got to be realistic about, you know, what. What is their job? It's it's not Without a doubt. it's not intramurals. Yeah. It's not this and that. And so I I understand it. I don't I like it. I don't you know necessarily agree with it. But you got to understand it. I think not not having to deal with John Tortorella on an everyday basis. I love listening to him. I would it would drive me bonkers having to deal with with that on a day to day basis. Uh, it's certainly not a war crime. I don't think it's a felony. It's not even a misdemeanor. It's still kind of. It's too bad because he had all his buddies probation? along the glass. How about probation? We'll put him on probation. probation. Yeah. House arrest. I, yeah, I think I would file a misdemeanor, but even that's a little. I think I'm somewhere in between a misdemeanor. And, well, you set the so. parameters. Yeah. So. Well, and I'm Hello. telling you, it's certainly a war crime. Then, then, I, I, then I would do a misdemeanor then. Can we continue? Yes. Um, the thing I disagree with you, Kev, and I, we talked about it earlier okay is the wallstead bit i yep. just don't think it's fair off of one game against the stars who are such a high-powered team against a wounded wild team i think he was left out to dry so my question to you on that there are three options would you rather a war crime no would you rather have a done exactly what the wild did played him against dallas and sent him back b started him against philly at home or C, never have called him up at all? Your no, you had to call him up because Philip Gustafson was injured. You needed a, a, a someone else there along with – and Zane McIntyre I don't think is is, is qualified. And, you know, I, and again, yeah. I love him. I'm not ripping Zane McIntyre. I think he's a great guy and all that stuff. He's not an NHL-quality goaltender. So you had to do something. You needed Jesper Volstead, and Fleury had started five in a row. 
you never know. You throw the kid in there, maybe he gives a jolt because the team play. They did it. It worked for Dallas. They said they the were game going before. to. They, they yeah. did. It worked for Matt Murray and the Dallas Stars the game before that. They protected the house. The kid didn't have a lot to deal with. Uh, the Wild weren't so fortunate. Volsta got a, a huge eye opener, and the rest is history. Well, I, you know, I, I think um, the point you made is very valid in that Flurry needed a rest. They they played five games, and it just fell to where Wallstead had to play. And um, uh, I, I agree with – I can't believe I'm saying this. I agree with Jack okay. that, that um, you can't judge him on one game or Which say if he's ready or not oh, no. ready or whatever. Well, you did. Okay. You no, are. I do say that. I, he's not ready for well, the NHL. Yeah, yeah, him on one game. You don't know that. You, well, can't, you can't determine that in one game. You just – you, you I'm determining that, that on three team. soft but, goals, and it didn't well, help right, You want to go through soft goals? Let's, let's uh, take out the, By the, way, the tape. We know John what Hines has said this. at the beginning of the, of the year, two years ago, when they gave up 18 goals in three games? John Hines. Were they is, not ready to play in the National Hockey League when they gave up? Was Gustafson not like ready? <laughs> was Re- Gustafson not ready to play I'd in the NHL? I stopped listening because and you guys got, don't agree with me. And then Gustafson... Um, it was last year, not two years it's ago. The title last of my year. autobiography. And Gustafson, I think his goals against was like ten, and um, and they ended up being one of the best goalies in the league last year. <clears throat> we're not talking. We're not comparing okay. apples to apples. But regardless, well, Hines sure says in in his press availability, Gustafson available to start tonight. He's probably starting. Mark Andre Fleury gets another breather. He's also saying a game time decision for Kirill Kaprizov, among some others. Oh, so good. that could be huge. Get ninety seven back in, in the lineup. You want to do one more? One Brett? more. Because I said I disagreed with you with Kev. Uh, Pat, I mean, we could go through a laundry list of things, but I'll start here. Uh, Would you trade Marco Rossi for a bag of pucks? Your thoughts? I would, uh, I would, um, for a bag of pucks, not for a bag of pucks. Do you think he's a top six forward in the NHL? No. He's not. He's not top six quality caliber. Not yet. Oh, really? Hmm. Where would you I, put I don't. I, I just. Do you want me to be on, on a on a oh, yes. on a contending team? No. We can all be honest. on a contending team. No, not yet. Wow. I think he's. I think he's a top nine, of course, but not a top six. I don't. Not yet. Not on a contending team. On this team, he is a top six. Now answer his question. Would you trade him for a bag of bucks? <laughs> I would not. I. I to go back to the misdemeanor felony or war crime. I think it's a felony having him center Pat Maroon and Freddie Gaudreau. I think that's a crime. I think he's got to be playing with some offensive talent with him, some help. He can't do it all by himself. Hey, listen, I, I, think, think, he's, I think he's he's uh, trending in in the in the right direction, and is going to be, and, and and at some point in his career will be, and you know. But if, if you're asking me on a contending team, is he a top six? No, I disagree. But no. right now, the entire lineup do. is of course just you do. And you think Adam Beckman's ready to We're score forty in this league? I never said that. We're up against the clock. We got to go. Patrick, Have a great enjoy day. the U of M campus. Yeah, now my o'clock. voice is gone because of you. Because <laughs> I had to talk so much. You did a great job, Thanks, and I know you you'll too. do a great job Thanks. on tonight. Good job, Jack. The rematch against Robert Morris. I don't have time for a preview, but have fun. Tell Sam Ekstrom everyone says hi. I will. That's going to be on your television screen, on your radio dial. Wally Shaver and Frank Mazzacco will have the call on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and FM 103.5 for your wild. You want to watch them go to battle tonight? Philip Gustafson between the pipes trying to stop a three-game skid. They take the airwaves with the pregame at 6.45. Puck drops just after 7 o'clock. Could be the return of Kirill Kaprizov. Boy, could they use 97 in their life. Thanks to Pat McLeddy. 
Thanks to Brett Blakemore and thanks to a great cast today on Beyond the Pond. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Saturday, 10 a.m. right here on The Fan. fantasy sports with prize picks download the free app today and you'll see what i'm talking about when i say that prize picks is the easiest to use